I'm Jay Matthews, and this is AD Update. This episode is really going to be fun, I think, because uh, I'm going to be talking to a guy that's been around Broward actually longer than I have, and that's, that's hard to do these days. But we're joined by a great teacher, varsity track coach, uh, Broward graduate, Coach Aaron Margine. Aaron, thanks for joining the AD Update. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so the Margine family, you know, uh, I get to Briarwood, and your dad's a Bible teacher and uh-huh. coach. Your mom's an English teacher. Uh, you've got a twin brother. Your sister had gone here previously. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, so there's been just this line of Margines, you know, all the way through, really. And now, you know, your children are here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just give us a, a little brief rundown of, you know, kind of a little bit of your time at Briarwood, what happened afterwards, what brought you back, and just kind of get us up to the present of what you do here. Okay. Well, it's kind of funny because as soon as you mentioned that, I thought about a an essay that a kid wrote for the artisan one year. It was called the Margine Mafia, and it kind of <laughs> traced through the uh, the history of it. But uh, yeah, my, my parents came here in 1989, and I was in the sixth grade, so sixth grade all the way through graduating in in uh, 96 um and yeah my my dad was bible teacher started out as history and then bible teacher and then coached uh cross country for probably most of his time that he was here so i think since 1990 all Mm -hmm. the way through 2000 and 2008 or 2009 is when he retired from cross country and my mom was here i had an aunt that was here at one point um, she was here for about 15 years, and so like we, like everywhere you turned, there was a, a Margine or a Margine relative yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And so it's just been a great school. Um, I've I've loved it. I never actually thought I would come back here, but uh, mm. the Lord kind of, uh, uh, like I always say, like kicked me through the door. Yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. really want to come back here, but God just just opened up doors for me, and then just didn't give me any any other options, and so. I wound up back here in 2001 and have been coaching since 2002, teaching since 2001. And I really, like, never seen myself as being anywhere else yeah. other than Briarwood. And I love that my, my kids are here. Got one that's graduated and now uh, a junior and a freshman. And uh, this is just home for me. Yeah. So, so your time at Briarwood, real quick. So you have a twin brother. I do. And, uh, you know, that's what I remember, you know, the, the, you two guys in uh, basketball and, and track, you know, your yep. senior year, you set the, the school record in pole vault, I, I, I believe. It was, it was really weak at the time. <laughs> yes. And then pole vaulting became kind of your specialty at that point, correct? It, it, it did. I, uh, I loved it so much. We had no coaching. It was just me and one other kid. Uh, Jeremiah Castile was – the coach that always hung out there with us, but mm-hmm. we had no coaching. We just kind of did it on our own, and I loved it so much. I decided I wanted to do it in college, and so uh, I went to Cedarville College up in Ohio, and just decided to uh, walk on just so I could keep pole vaulting. Yeah. And so I kind of learned some of the uh, the the tricks of the trade, and and yeah. So that's kind of the thing that I enjoy coaching more than any other thing. So, so when I think about you, you've been around real legends. Uh, so your dad's a legend. You know, his best friend, Bob Crandall. I mean, these are legendary Briarwood names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then playing for Coach Langford, you know, in basketball. 
and and learning from Coach McWaters, Glenn mm-hmm. McWaters, in, in track. So there's this legacy of like, I mean, not just normal men. I mean, right. these are like people you'd want to pattern your life after. So have you ever thought much about the, I guess, the privilege you've had to kind of be surrounded by, you know, people that we kind of all love and admire? Yeah, I I think one of the, the things that, having the opportunity to be coached by my dad uh, is is just an amazing thing to me. He he didn't just he didn't just coach basketball. He was just a coach. I mean, yeah. he, I I've always thought like you could put him in any sport and he would be able to coach that sport because th- there's he could learn how to coach the game, but what he taught me was how to coach people, how to right. relate to people. To him Coaching was psychological. You've got to figure out what it is that makes up a kid, like what what motivates them, what uh, doesn't motivate them. I mean, I, I I thought about that with with your daughters when I coached yeah. your daughters. I mean, like they, they they were completely different, and That's you right. could be hard on one, and you had to be very gentle on the other. And That's right. and you, if you want to get the most out of your athletes, you have to figure out like what makes that athlete tick, what makes them what 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 drives them, how like how to motivate them, how to get the most out of them. And then working with, yeah, like Bob Crandall. I mean, he taught yeah. me how to teach. Yeah. Uh, and and he was one that I think got me to a point where I could actually get through an interview and get hired somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I really owe him a lot uh, for that. But then they just, for the first few years, just, I mean, working with me on, on, on teaching and, and developing that craft. And I don't see there being much difference between what you do in the classroom and what you do uh, on the field or the track or wherever. It's just those two things are linked together. If you're not a, a good teacher, you're not going to be a good coach. If you're, if you're not a good coach, you're, you're going to struggle uh, teaching. I mean, there's, there, there's just so much similarities in there between them. And then uh, Glenn McWaters, uh, working with him for, I, I don't know, 12 years, mm-hmm. um, and just all the experience. I mean, when he pulls you aside and, and introduces you to like Willie Smith somebody who ran in the Olympics right. and, yeah. and it's like hey I, I coached like Willie Smith it's like okay like wow <laughs> like like yeah uh, th- this is a high bar um, yes. so it's uh it's just been great coach Langford um yeah. was just a basketball legend and yes. it was it was uh just uh, th- that was when I was in high school and and I'm learning like him and my dad were just two completely different coaches but seeing them be able to work together, like they, they each have their own strengths. They each like excel at certain things and then seeing that teamwork work together, because I never saw them argue once. Right. They never they, they yeah. disagreed on a lot of things, but they never they were able to make it work. And so I mean figuring out how to relate to even your other uh, coaches that yeah. you have. And of course, you had a lot of great teachers when you were at Briarwood, but you also you you had your mom and your dad at some point you know, in the classroom. So, is your style today more like your mom or your dad, or is it a combination of both? Have you thought about that? I've never thought about that. I just immediately I think I would have to say that it's both, um, but probably more like my mom. I, uh, I get in trouble for sarcasm a lot, um, but I was not nearly as bad as her. She was the most sarcastic person I have ever No, met. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's, that's awesome. 
So you come back to Briarwood, you're, you're an assistant mm-hmm. coach for a while, mm-hmm. and then uh, Coach McWaters retires. Right. <clears throat> and then I, I just give you a ton of credit for – uh, because again, it's not easy. You're you're following. When, uh-huh. when we say the words legend, I mean we're talking about a guy that you know coached at the Marine Corps and right. you know uh, coached uh, college uh, university athletes and, and, and Olympic athletes and, and yeah. can quote uh, like how fast the 400 was in the 1964 Olympics. Right. I mean just and just a lot of knowledge, and yet and yet you come on and I think did. Uh, wonderful job of kind of saying all right uh, how's the program going to fit you know kind of my style and uh, you know watching you the last uh, few years uh, it seems like what you've done is kind of pull the whole running community together you know through the three seasons you've got Mm -hmm. the cross country uh, you've got the indoor and you've got the outdoor and they are three different teams but you really created like a community. Uh, you know, there's a team. There's a team aspect uh-huh. to that, and then also, you know, you came up with this kind of I don't know if to call it a slogan or theme of you know erase all the old records. Right. Uh, so talk a little bit about the culture, the community culture, and then also kind of this uh, mantra that I think's paying off because y'all shattered a bunch of records uh, this year. <laughs> we did, and yeah, that, and, and that is the goal. Um, but the. the like I, I've always, it's always bothered me when you have siloed groups, mm-hmm. and and so, um, uh, like cross country seeing themselves as their own individual group, uh, indoor outdoor track being a separate team, we we all do a lot of the same things. Um, sprinters and distance runners are completely different athletes, completely different people, and that's actually been a really big challenge to try to like incorporate weave them in like bind those groups together and we're always trying new things and working on different ways to try to accomplish that like try to to get the sprinters working with and 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 we've done a a bunch of different things in our practices and stuff like that but just creating this environment where we don't see each other as being separate teams i don't use we don't use jv we don't have a JV team. We have a varsity team. We can't all necessarily run in the varsity races, but we we are one whole team. We're not sprinters, uh, um, distance throwers. We're all one team. We, we do certain things like uh, like one or two meets every year. We make sure. I mean, track meets last forever, and, right. and they're brutal on parents. I feel bad for parents sitting in the stands for hours and hours and hours. But a couple of meets every year, we. We say, look, you're ours the whole day. You're there the whole time. You, you don't get to leave when you're done with your race. You go find some teammates to cheer on. So we can build that kind of idea. And what kind of led the way to that was one year we had um, one of our throwers qualified for the state meet at the sectional meet. We're going to the state meet. We're driving down to Gulf Shores. Where we're, we get on the bus, and he walks up on the bus, and one of the girls, one of the distance girls said, I didn't know so and so ran track. I didn't know so and so was on the track team, and it was like, "That's great." How do you not know you like? And and the reality is, a lot of times you're not on the same team. Right, you right. never see each other. Like they're off throwing, you're off running, and so it was. It became a really big challenge of mine to say that we've got to break down these barriers and make sure that we're doing something together. We do warm ups together every single day. Every every person does the whole warm up routine. 
so that they're always there working together. We we gather at the beginning of practice every day. We throw arms around each other, and every every guys, girls, throwers, jumpers, everybody, we pray to get started. And I've kind of enjoyed it because when we forget to, like if there's just like this hectic day or something, and and I want to get started on stuff, and somebody will be like, hey, we didn't pray yet, hmm. and it's so it's it's already kind of like said into the team that like we don't get started until we pray and and so those are things that i've been trying to do and i'm always looking for more ideas about how to further kind of bind us and draw us all together as one team so what was the genesis or inspiration of the erase all the past records because uh, i always thought that was kind of uh, yeah kind so of neat, yeah neat so our idea. goal is that we want to erase all of the records from the 20th century so anything 1990s yeah I just want those gone. Right. And and the and we set a, a task of within this decade. Now okay. I, I decade because first of all I want it to be something program building, like hey, yeah. if we want to get to some of these high marks, because five eight girls high jumpers don't come along all the time. That that's a that's a pretty stout record. So mm-hmm. if, like it, some of these are going to take a lot of work. And so I want there to be this idea that not only are we trying to take down records for our class and for the group of kids that I'm working with, but I'm trying to build a program that's going to draw in more athletes and and layer this for the future. Because there's a couple of those records that, I mean, the, the boys 800 record is 153. Uh, the girls high jump record is uh, 5'8". There's some really high marks out there and that's going to take yeah. a special athlete and and a and a program to work around to be able to get kids to those levels but ultimately what it was i was looking at the records and i'm seeing all these like guys and girls that i was r- running with back in the 90s i'm like why are they still on the record like i just like i don't want any of my old friends to be on here like let's get rid of you and replace you with some, some yeah. fresh blood and so it's it's is always exciting because last year sally broke the triple jump girls triple jump record which uh, was melissa's old record and by I, my daughter melissa yeah. yeah and i i texted you and i texted her and and th- like it's always so great because there's always this excitement that the that the athlete has that their record got broken. Yeah. That they see themselves as just look, I'm just a stepping stone to yeah. building something bigger. And I've never had anybody that I've contacted and said, "Hey, you're I just want you to know your your record went down." And they they're always so happy for it. And I Michelle Mullis still has like three on there. Oh yeah. I texted her the other day. I said, "We're trying to erase you. We've got two girls that are trying to take you out of the record books." And she was like, "I am so happy. I'm so glad. Like I, I want them to go down. It's time yeah. for them to go down." So we're just trying to get rid of all those '90s. We got rid of the oldest one last year. The oldest one it was, it was just shy of 40 years old. Um, wow. In the girls' discus, and so it was set in 1984, and um, Kate Saunders was finally able to uh, to bring that one down last year. So. So when we push out your podcast, we're going to push out a graphic uh, that's a okay. little bit late, to be honest. But So the indoor meet mm-hmm. this year, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at, we're having a hard time making a graphic because right. there's so many, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then I see on here a Gabe Margine is going to be part of this graphic <laughs> and a Blakely Margine is right. going to be part of this graphic. Um, in fact, uh, Gabe's on here a couple of times. Uh, so... Uh, it's paying off. I mean, in right. terms of them kind of seeing, you know, the, 
I guess seeing a goal, knowing how to work to the goal. And uh, I, I know that we have better training techniques and so forth, but do you attribute anything else to the fact that you've got athletes that given time and effort can make those marks? Is there anything going on in terms of culture or you know, weight room or things that you guys are teaching or focusing on? What's making a difference in all that? So, yeah, a lot of the, uh, the science of it is all kind of working out. Uh, I remember probably about 10 years ago, uh, I went to a, a track clinic and um, uh, Jim Tate is a legend in Alabama track from uh, St. Paul's. He was giving the, uh, the clinic and all these coaches are there huddled around him like notebooks in hand, like ready to write down everything that, that he says. And he starts talking about team culture. And so I'm writing down everything, everything he says about team culture. I'm looking around and all these other guys, their pens aren't moving at all. And he speaks for 45 minutes on developing culture and a community and track and says nothing about training. Says nothing about, I mean, he produced 17 consecutive state championships mm. in girls cross country. They're all wanting to know what's the secret. And he's talking about culture and, and, and the environment that you're creating in your, in your team. And, I'm thinking that that is the secret. Oh yeah, like that's yeah. like you, your team culture is what produces the success. But they're all waiting for like what's the X's and O's? What's the workouts that you do? And so after 45 minutes, he opens it up to questions. He's not said one thing about any workout. So one of the coaches raises his hand, and says like, "Coach, like for workouts, what do you do for workouts?" And he said, "Jack Daniels on running." which is a famous running book. It's a, mm-hmm. a training book. He says, Jack Daniels on running. If you're doing anything other than that, you're wasting your time. And moved on. And that wow. was all he would say about training. Yeah. And it was like, his point was, all the science is there, just follow. Yeah. What yeah. I do is not, it, what's, what's special is not the workouts that we do. It's the environment that you create that creates an opportunity for kids to succeed. That was actually a big, that yeah. was back when Coach Yancey was still the head coach. And, and and I, I I thought about that. I was like, that we need to develop a culture and a community where kids love being a part of what they're doing and will work hard. Track is not easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- there's a there's a lot of downtime. I, I played basketball. There's a lot of downtime in practice. Mm-hmm. You're standing around. You're watching. You're learning. Like a lot of what we do in track and and especially in cross country, you're pushing yourself as hard as you can. Yeah. And. There has to be a real love for that in order for you to, to stick around, in order yeah. for you to work. Like, hey, this is where I am this year. I've got three years to break a school record. It's going to take all of this work. You really better love the people you're working with, the coaches that you're working with, the environment that you're in, in order to work that hard to accomplish those kind of goals. So yeah. you can't have an abusive environment. You you you, you can't have a, a system where you're just – you're you're working kids too hard there's yeah. got to be some moderation to it and i've always said that we we could accomplish more we, we could we could work our kids harder but one of the things i've always told all of our assistant coaches is one of our fundamental principles is you always leave gas in the tank yeah don't ever drain the tank yeah those kids it's so hard to recover from it so if you feel like hey we could get one more repeat in we could get one more interval in is it going to drain the tank? Mm. Is, is it going to leave them feeling empty at the end of the day? I always want our kids feeling like when they leave, 
I could do one more. So we haven't had a chance to talk about uh, your best assistant coach. Uh, <laughs> you're part of a Jim Rat family as yes. well. We have a lot of those here. Yes. So you're that unique family that uh, you and your wife both um, yes. work together, coach together. Mm-hmm. You have kids that are involved in all the sports. So it's just it's seamless. You know your your work and your you know the your play. Your, right. Your, even when you travel and so forth. So. Talk a little bit about Jody and uh, how y'all met and what it's like working with her and her and her great uh, support and involvement in the program as well. So I, I don't know if Jody is going to appreciate me sharing this story, but uh, w- w- the the first time I actually remember the very first time I saw her, we were it was at Cedarville. We were um, probably early November. Uh, we had been training since school started, and uh, we we're sitting down at, at practice, and I saw this. A uh, blonde girl go up to the uh, uh, the coach and was talking to the coach, and I turned over to one of my friends. And said, Who's this? And uh, like, oh, that's that's Jody. That's so and so. She's she's running track now. And I, my first thought, my like very first time I saw her, was like, who does she think she is? And she can skip out on the first three months of practice and just show up in November. <laughs> like we've been we've been working our tails off. And she just decides to show up. Well, I didn't know, like, she played volleyball. Oh. And so her, her volleyball <laughs> season had just ended, and she was coming out there. But it was just kind of funny because, like, like, and it was, I think it was one of those things where the Lord blessed me with a, mm-hmm. with a moment of remembering the very first time I ever saw her. And being freshman in college, like, like I pole vaulted, so I had one event. She was a hurdler. She had one event. And, and so you just... You have so much time at meets just to sit, especially with freshmen, that you're not on relays, you're not in multiple events. You have one thing that you're doing. You spend a lot of time together just sitting in the stands talking. And so me and Jody uh, got uh, to know each other running yeah. track. And um, the, the the rest of that story is way too much of a story to share yeah. here. But um, uh, it, it when the opportunity came for her to start uh, coaching with me, um, I just like made sure that that happened like we're yeah. going to find a spot for her to uh to work with with us and um it's one of those things where yeah like i like i'm already spending so much time like it's it just makes sense for her to be uh to be coaching as well um and so uh people like what, what do you think about coaching with your wife i'm like i wouldn't want to coach with anybody else yeah yeah like this is um uh, the, like I'm gonna be here. She wants to be like a part of this program, um, and I from the very beginning I, I told her like, if you don't want to coach, like I know how big of a commitment it is. She's like, no, I absolutely want to. Mm-hmm. And so even times like with indoor, where I mean, I think we spent, I think it was over a hundred hours in the crossplex this this winter. Wow. And I mean we had. Over the course of the whole season, we had I think over um, I think twelve meets with the junior high and the JV meets and the varsity meets, and so we spent I mean days there. I mean we we joked that we should rent an apartment downtown to, for for the indoor season because we're just down there so much. But when, on on days where she didn't have to be down there, I could handle it myself. She's like I, I mean you're already going to be there. Why don't I? Yeah. I would just be sitting at the house by myself. And so we just we've I've really enjoyed it. I've I, I've loved that she has learned more and more and more. She at first was a little bit hesitant to take control of stuff. And I said, take the hurdles and own it. Yeah. Do whatever you want with it. 
it, it's your program. And so she just uh, jumped in and, and took over. Now she has all of her hurdlers there. They, they all say that she's their best friend. And so uh, it's one of those things where I love those, those yeah. kids that just love her so much. And then there's a parent now. So you now your mom and dad are mom and dad and coaches. So did y'all have to work through some of that as far as coaching your own children? Is, there, is that easy or hard? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I love coaching my kids, but I have – it is – a, it's a challenge not to hold them to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's fair to my kids to hold them to a higher standard than I would other kids. I don't think it's fair to other kids uh, yeah. to hold yeah. my kids to a higher standard. So, like, if I think that this is the, like, how hard you need to work, I think these kids that are not my children should be working just as hard. If I'm pushing my kids, like, why wouldn't I push someone else? That's That's yeah. not fair to them to push them. But it's always... Like that parent instinct, I always have to wonder, like, if, do I have those like mom goggles or dad goggles on? Right. Like, am, am I not seeing things clearly because these are, are my kids? And I've, I, I, I think I'm doing a better job of it now with Gabe and Blakely, but uh, I know for a fact that, the, that I, I pushed Riley too hard in certain mm. circumstances. And we, we had some moments where we, we sat down in the pole vault pits and, and had, like father-son conversations mm-hmm. and I'm and I all of a sudden realize I I was over the line I pushed you too hard I need to let you be a kid interesting that's so uh we got we've got a number of a high number of coaches are coaching their children yeah so I think that's something we you know continue to kind of wrestle with so I want to kind of close with this uh first of all as a dad that you coached you know two of my daughters mm-hmm. I want to publicly thank you for uh, just being a wonderful influence on them. I mean, teaching them discipline and toughness. And, uh, I mean, I'm just telling you, uh, I think every parent needs to understand that you basically need a coach uh, in your children's lives because you you could do do things with my children I couldn't do. I mean, I kind of needed you to push them in Mm -hmm. ways that I probably wasn't going to. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things I love about um, that, that we're always trying to do as a program is develop kids that want to continue doing this later in life. I've always thought like uh, running is the one sport that you can carry yes. out of high school. And so when you're telling me like last year about how well she was doing running 5Ks and then running half marathons, yeah. like there is no greater joy as a coach than to hear – that this girl who first first chose to run cross country just to stay in shape during the off season. I'm a sprinter. I'm not a distance runner. Yeah. And now she's yeah. like knocking it out of the park with the half marathon. I mean, the times that she's running are really, yeah. really impressive. And that's what we want is we want people who still love the sport after their high school days are over or their college days are over. We don't want to burn kids out. Um, I've seen a lot of programs that take kids in the seventh, eighth grade, and they work them, work them, work them, work them. By the time they get to be seniors, they hate running. Yeah. It's so easy to hate running. But it's the one thing you can do as a healthy lifestyle later in life. So I, I loved working with Leanne on that and was excited about uh, Melissa and, and how well she did and the triple jump and breaking mm-hmm. the school record and everything. And so your girls were uh, easy to, uh, to coach. I enjoyed it. 
Well, track is so much fun. I, I love home track meets, uh, and I love I love a pretty spring day where we have you know all the sports going on. But then just seeing the track just so full of activity of the throwers and the and the jumpers, and uh, there's just a neat community. And if you've never anyone listening to this podcast, if you've never come out and just watched a track meet uh, on campus, and and it's just an exciting event. I think it's one of the coolest things that we do. So. I really appreciate your ministry as a teacher, mm-hmm. as a coach, and uh, can't wait to see even uh, how we're going to do this outdoor season. Right. What's what's up next? Well, we've got uh, the King of the Mountain this uh, weekend, and yeah. uh, then we have uh, a couple of big Homewood uh, right before spring break. So we've got a couple of big ones coming up, our first two big ones. At Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama, And each episode of this podcast is dedicated to our coaches, volunteers, and other staff members who help us wrestle with what it means to be a Christian, competitive athletics program in contemporary society. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of AD Update.